Hallelujah. There's nobody greater. There is nobody greater than our God. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. I honor the Lord tonight uh, for his goodness and his mercy and for my here being and our here being tonight. Thank God for those of us who are um, present in the house of the Lord and you have um, pressed your way uh, to the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Of course, uh, the uh, circumstances uh, are not as inclement as uh, uh, people uh, would say, amen, um, but we know uh, that the enemy is always uh, trying to convince people um, to stay away from the house of the Lord, amen, and um, I always say it's so interesting, uh, the same people who will stay home uh, for uh, weather from church will call you after and say you want to go get a pizza. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but I thank God for uh, those of you who uh, pressed your way and are here uh, tonight in the house of the Lord. Uh, I am really determined and committed to assisting the people of God in uh, becoming strong Christians, strong believers. I really want us to um, develop a deeper uh, relationship with the Lord, want us to become closer and closer uh, to the Lord. I want to get to know him better uh, than I've ever known him before. And so uh, tonight I want to talk to um, you, I certainly give honor to each of you in your respective places and happy for uh, Elder Rucker and um, for Prophet Jones, who is uh, still sharing with us in our city um, this week. We appreciate him. Amen. And we thank God for how he uh, shared with us on Sunday as well. Amen. We were blessed by it. But I want to talk to us. I want to help us to learn how to get over the hump. Uh, get over the hump. Um, they say that um, uh, Wednesday uh, in the in the in the secular world, Wednesday is Hump Day, um, uh, because that's where you uh, you you are halfway there, um, and um, uh, when you get over the hump, then they say it's smooth sailing. Amen. You you about halfway there, um, and uh, I want to talk to us as believers, um, because when you come to Christ. Um, uh, you accept him and you make a stride. When you come to Christ, uh, you make progress. Just the mere fact that you have accepted Christ, that's progress. Uh, the mere fact that you have invited the Lord into your life, into your heart, um, that is progress. Um, you have affiliated yourself with the church. You have publicly confessed your uh, connection, your relationship with the Lord. Um, but then um, there are other steps and other levels by which you must attain in order to reach uh, the success that is necessary for you to stay. Amen. Um, and sometimes people struggle because um, they don't have any problem with uh, the initial stage. 
Um, but maturing beyond the initial stage is that problem. That's, that's where your problem, that's where your struggle comes in. It's no problem for you to come the first time. Uh, for you to get a blessing the first time, but then to maintain uh, what God has done for you, that becomes the struggle. That becomes the challenge. And as believers, we need to learn how to get over the hump. We need to learn how to get over that, that period for, for us, that, that area in our lives and in our spiritual walk with the Lord, that thing that becomes a stumbling block for us, that thing that always hinders us and always causes us to have a setback. Anybody know what it's like to have a setback? You know, you were doing good. You were doing well. But all of a sudden, something happened and you got a setback. You were, you were faithful. You were committed. You were on a roll. I always share with you, I try to be as transparent as I can. You know, I struggle uh, with uh, my fitness. My personal fitness is one of the biggest struggles for me, uh, it's one of the greatest goals that I have in my life, but it is also one of the biggest struggles for me. I, I mean, y'all know I would, I would be like uh, the Incredible Hawk today if I just learned how to be consistent. See, my, my, my problem is not starting, Charlotte. It's not, my problem is not starting. I can get to the gym. I, yes, I can get to the gym. My problem is not getting there. But my problem is once I get there, what do I do when I get there? Now, I can get motivated enough to stay for a week. I can do that. I can get motivated enough, Mother Moore, with your help. Mother Moore gave me an LL Cool J book uh, a year before last, and, and, she, and she covered LL's face with my picture. So when I looked at his body, I saw my body. I, I saw as if it was my body. So, you know, that was motivation. Thank you, Mother Moore. I need some more motivation. Uh, but, 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 but something happens to me. It always happens to me somewhere down the line that interrupts my, uh, my flow. It interrupts my consistency. So I can go for a week. I can go for two weeks. I can go for a month. I can go for two months, three months. I can go for six months. I can almost go for a year, but something happens and it interrupts and then I can stay out for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month, two months, three months, four months. And it, it just grows from there. And so uh, in, in, in order for me to gain the results that I need and that I'm looking for, I got to learn how to get over the hump. I got to learn how to defy whatever it is that challenges me from being faithful and from being committed to seeing the end result that I'm looking for. And I want you to know that anything worth having is worth fighting for. If it means something to you, you got to work for it. If you really want it, you got to commit to it. If you really want to see the results, you got to be dedicated to it. Because if you don't if you're not willing to fight for it or to strive with it, you'll never see it. You'll never attain it. The things that we are looking for, it does not happen by osmosis. I wish that we could just blink our eyes and have what we want. But things that are of value and are of quality, we've got to learn how to work for it. 
And so it is in our spiritual walk, our spiritual life, our journey with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me as I began to pray, and I asked him, what is it that I could share with the people of God to help them to break the cyclical behavior, break these cycles that we always go in, where we always find ourselves back at the same place over and over and over again? Do you ever get tired of finding yourself back? back in the same place you have made it from point a you have made it to c but after a while you find yourself all the way back at the starting point do you ever get tired of being redundant do you ever get tired of starting over and over again do you ever come to a place where you say god i'm tired of making the same mistakes i'm tired of messing up over and over again i want to learn how to get strong i want to learn how to get stable i want to learn how to be steadfast i want to learn how to get in a place where i'm not the same that i used to be i want to be changed for good the Lord spoke to me. He said, you got to tell my people that they have to learn that the effort, that there's some effort that they have to put into this thing. And they've got to learn the first thing is consistency. Everybody say consistency. You must learn how to be consistent. If you have a habit that needs to be broken, the only way that habit is going to be broken is by you consistently doing the opposite. Do you hear me? By you consistently doing something that replaces the habit that you have had. And some of the things that we have uh, uh, entertained, some of the situations that are in our lives, some of the things that pose as threats to our spiritual development and our growth, there are things that have been there for a long time. They've been there for a long time. The things that you've been involved in, the things that, you, that have been hindrances for you, it's been there a long time. And so there are some things it's going to take God to deliver you from. And it's going to take you spending time making an investment in order to receive the deliverance that you need. Let's look at First uh, Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And let's look in the 58th verse. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Be ye steadfast. What does it mean to be steadfast? It means to be committed to. It means to be consistent. It means to be persistent. It means to be incessant. In other words, it means to not cease. Be steadfast. Continue. Continuously. Continuously engaged. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here the apostle is talking. 
to the people of God concerning their position in the body of Christ and really their position in the earth. Because if you read uh, the entire uh, uh, chapter, it talks about the suffering and the persecution and the struggles and the trials and the tribulation that the people of God will go through and will have to endure. And in order for them to have victory, there are things that they need to do. Now, let me tell you, when you give your life to God, when you decide that you are going to live a life for him, when you decide that you are going to be committed and dedicated to God, then it puts you in a position where you are a direct threat to the enemy and you are a candidate for his attack. Do you hear me? That means that Satan is going to commit himself to attacking you and doing all that he can to destroy you and to hinder you from being successful in God. He is going to do all that he can to try to stop you from moving toward your purpose. He is going to do all that he can to try to hinder you from developing a strong relationship with God. He is going to be relentless. He is not going to stop. He is always going to try to put stumbling blocks in your way. He is always going to try to discourage you. He is always going to try to distract you. He is always going to try to do things to steal your motivation. He is always going to try to do things to hinder you from being encouraged to run on and be uh, in the perfect will of God. He is always going to try to do that. And so if you are going to get the victory you are going to have to learn that you are going to have to counteract the attack of the enemy now one thing that you must learn if you are going to be victorious you must know who your enemy is and you must know that your enemy is a worthy opponent in other words you must know that your enemy has strength and has ability not to destroy you but he has ability to influence you if you allow him to your enemy has insight your enemy knows who you are. Your enemy knows what your weakness is. Your enemy knows what your vulnerability is. And your enemy does not play with you but his desire is to simply destroy you. Your your enemy's desire is to destroy, to pulverize you. I believe that I can hear Jesus saying to Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith would fail you not. The only way that you are going to survive is you must learn how to be faithful. You must learn how to be faithful. And I am so tired. Let me tell you, I am angry with Satan. I am very tired. I am angry with the devil. And I have intensified. I have increased my prayer. I have asked God recently, God, to give me insight and give me more wisdom and knowledge to know how to go up to bat for the people of God. I am so tired of the enemy creeping in and destroying the saints of God and creeping in and turning the people of God out of the faith, turning the people of God out of the house of the Lord. I'm so tired of looking at people who are bound, come to church, but are bound and never get free. I'm so tired of hearing people always talking about defeat and never getting up testifying about how God has given them victory and caused them to triumph over their enemy. I am tired of the enemy and I don't know about you but I'm ready to challenge my enemy. I'm ready to tell the devil that he is a liar. I'm ready to go to another level in my faith. I'm ready to go to another 
level in my commitment. I'm ready to go to another level in my dedication to God. I believe that we are living in the last days and these are the days that the people of God must learn how to advance the kingdom of God like never before. But we'll never be able to advance the kingdom of God if everybody in the house is weak and sick. If the people of God are not strong spiritually, how are we going to defeat the enemy? We'll never be able to win the laws if we're always trying to patch each other up in the house. It's time for somebody to get strong in here. We don't have time to keep blowing your nose and drying your eyes. We don't have time to keep on trying to coddle you and trying to make you feel better and patting you on the back and trying to encourage you. There's somebody in the street that never heard about the gospel. And the Bible said the gospel be hid. It's here to them that are lost. You've been here long enough to be strong enough to stand on your own two feet. You've been here long enough that there ought to be somebody that can say that I gave my life to God because I watched your example. We got to get over the hump. Did you not know that there's a purpose for you? There's a calling that God has on your life. God did not rescue you and bring you into the church for no reason. God brought you here so that you would snatch other souls from the kingdom of hell. God, you ought to praise God. Somebody ought to praise God right now because God spared your life. You ought to praise God because God rescued you. You ought to praise God because God delivered you. You hadn't been right every day of your life. You hadn't been, been in church every day of your life. But God rescued you. He delivered you. He brought you in. And some of you are hanging in here by a thread. you hanging in by a strand. But you ought to praise God that he brought you in. That he delivered you. That he rescued you. And you ought to say, God, for what you did for me, I'm willing to commit my life to you. I want to commit my life to you I want to commit my life to you God I don't want to keep going back and forth I don't want to be wayward I don't want to be tossed and fro I don't want to be up one day and down the next I don't want to be in and out I don't want to be like a seesaw God I want to be stable I want to be stable I want to be something is wrong something is wrong with the church when the church can be full one day and empty the next something is wrong when the people of God are not getting stabilized and not getting rooted and grounded in God something is wrong and the reason why is because people are coming in and they are not being discipled quick enough and part of that reason it ain't just one person but it's all of our fault because the Bible says that the strong bear the infirmities of the weak and when the weak come in if, the, if we're weak too we're not going to be able to help somebody else to get strong it's time for the saints to get strong it's time for those and after you've been strengthened you got to strengthen somebody else you got to get free so that somebody else can get free you got to get over your habit. You got to get over your mess. You got to get over your issue. You got to get over your stuff so that somebody else can get free. We got so many spiritually handicapped, spiritually handicapped people. 
can't help nobody. You're so lame. You're so low down yourself. I ain't trying to talk about nobody, but can't help nobody. So pitiful, so pathetic, can't help nobody. And it's a shame that you got a title before your name. Some of us ought to take our license back. Ought to say, I'm sorry, I thank you, but I ain't ready for this. I'm, I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm supposed to be a missionary, but you can take this back. I know I'm supposed to be a minister, but you can take this back. I'm not ready for this. I know I'm supposed to be a deacon, but you can take because you, you, what, you, what I'm doing, I'm confusing people because I'm bound and they see that I'm bound and not free and they're thinking that I'm the example, but in all actuality, I really need to be on the altar trying to get delivered myself. Reduce me back down to a brother. He said, be steadfast, be unmovable. The Bible said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You so unstable, so wishy-washy, just any wind come, it'll take you any kind of way. Isn't it something? Y'all know some folks like that. They don't even know which position to take. Don't even know which side to stand on. When they get with group A, they're talking this way. When they get with group B, they're talking another way. When they get with group C, they're with the plan of the church. When they get with another group, they're talking against it. They're double-minded. They're unstable in all of their ways. You need to learn how to say the same thing all the time. I need to learn how to talk the same thing when I'm on my job. The same thing I'm saying in Sunday school. That's what I say when I'm on my job. The same thing I say on my job. That's what I'm saying when I'm in home. I'm living the life before you just like I'm living before home. I'm learning how to be consistent. Why don't you lift your hand and say, Lord, help me to be consistent. Help me to be consistent. You are no greater publicly than you are privately. You are no greater publicly than you are privately. Did you hear me? You are no greater publicly than you are privately. And if there is a contradiction between your public life and your private life, let me tell you at some point in time, there is going to be an explosion because you cannot perpetrate forever. After a while, there is going to be a revelation of who you really are and your effectiveness will forever be limited because you are not consistently who you are. I would rather an individual be honest and say this is who I am. I'm not faking about it. I know I need to get better. I know I need some help but this is who I am. Then an individual to perpetrate and to pretend one way in public and then another way in private. This is why so many people are being hindered from the faith because they are seeing that there is a double standard that you have in your life. But is there anybody here that said I'm tired of pretending. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to be hiding. I don't want to be in a place where I'm one way one time in another way another time but I want to be consistent is there anybody here that said that if there's deliverance that needs to take place in my life I want God to deliver me if there's anything in me that's not like God I want God to take it up out of me I want to be effective in the kingdom of God I want to be able to do the ministry that God has called me to do but I know I can't do it until I get delivered 
Is there anybody here that said, I just want God to set me free? To be unmovable. And then always, 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 somebody say always. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. There is a notion today where everybody is saying, I need some me I need me time and, and I need a break. I've never in all my life, and I don't date back as far as some of you, but I've never in all my life heard more people complaining about being involved in the kingdom of the Lord, being involved in church. I've never in all my life heard people wanting to opt I'm talking about Christians now people that have been in this way a little while wanting to opt out of opportunities to be in the presence of God so strongly so adamantly against coming to the house of the Lord yeah let's cancel prayer let's cancel church for the whole week we just want to have some time to ourselves don't you understand that for some people if they don't get to the house of the Lord the devil is going to destroy them don't you understand for some people it takes being in the house of the lord almost every single day because the devil is always out there lurking around trying to destroy somebody you ought to be glad for a church that has prayer you ought to be glad for a church that has bible teaching you ought to be glad for a church that has revival you ought to be glad for a church that has a standard of holiness But we always are trying to get to a place where we can skirt around it. We always are trying to look for a place where we can entertain the carnality in us. The carn And let me tell you something. The Bible said to be carnally minded is enmity against God. That means that you are God's enemy when you are carnal. And some people... This is just the truth. Some people, if we did not have Tuesday night prayer, they would not pray at all. I'm not talking about you, but there are some people that they have not developed in their prayer life to the place where maybe you have. And so if we didn't have corporate prayer, they wouldn't have no prayer life. Let's be honest. When you came into the church, you didn't have no strong prayer life. You learned how to pray because we taught you how to pray. We showed you how to get on your knees and call on Jesus. You didn't even know what to say. But you heard the prayer band leader say, search me, Lord. You heard the prayer band leader say, deliver me. And when they said, deliver me, you said, Lord, deliver me. You heard the prayer leader say, have your way, Lord. And when they said, have your way, you said, have your way. You heard the leader clap the hand and say, yes. And when they clap the hand, you clap your hand and said, yes. You followed the leader until you got strong enough to pray on your own. But if we had never set the example for you, you wouldn't be praying today. Clap your hand and tell God thank you. Some folk, if we didn't get up every morning and get on the prayer line every day at 6 o'clock, there are some people who wouldn't pray any throughout the course of the day. But thank God that you got a church that we get up in the morning and we pray. 
And some people don't pray because they're not strong enough to pray for themselves. But you better thank God that we got mothers and fathers in the church that are calling your name. Praying for you. Some of you never dialed into the prayer line. Never, never, ever dialed into the prayer line. But your name is still being called. Be steadfast. Always. Somebody say always. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Somebody say there's never a time when you deserve a break. Y'all didn't like that, but let me say it again. There's never a time when I, when I deserve a break. Now, Jahan, you can take a break from your, from your job. You deserve that. You put your time in. They are paying you. And they say in the contract, in the contract, when you get hired, they say that you get, you get six weeks a year or four weeks a year of vacation. You get sick time and, and you get personal days and all that kind of stuff. That belongs to you. Right? That belongs to you. But see, you got to understand that that is your occupation. Huh? That is your occupation. You, that, that, that's something that you do between the hours that have been set. That is something that you do on the side for sustenance. That is your occupation, but it is not your purpose. I can't get no help from nobody in this church. Minister women, I can't get no help from nobody in this church. Brittany, I can't get no help from nobody in this church. That is your occupation. That is not your purpose. You were created to serve God. That's your purpose. The Bible says it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture, you are not your own. It's not your body. It is not your body. I like to tell y'all all the time. I don't know who was it, Rick James, that said it's your thing. Y'all know who, who was it? Who? Who was it, Missionary Lorelei? Anyway, I just like to remind you it ain't yours. It ain't, look at somebody and say, it ain't yours. That's why the saints were drilling in us. We, we, y'all don't remember, but we used to sing congregational songs forever. We could sing a congregational song for an hour. Woo-wee. And the saints would say, my body, 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 whole body, hands and feet, hands and feet, hands and feet. The saints would drill that stuff in us so that we would know that your body belongs to God. 
We sing another song, y'all don't know, but they say, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Your body belongs to God. Everything you have, your time belongs to God. Our times are in God's hand. You don't deserve no break. I want to get this out of the minds of the people in the church. Y'all stop staying home from church. When I know you're saying, Pastor, I'm here, I'm here. But I want to put it in the atmosphere. Stop staying home from church. You stop, and you don't ever take off Sunday. What you talking about? You taking off Sunday to wash clothes. I know it's in this house. I've heard it. I ain't never heard it before, but I heard it here. You staying home to wash clothes. Cleaning the house. Going fishing. What's wrong with you? What if God was to claim your life while you at home washing clothes? The washing machine blow up in your face and you not in a place in the presence of God and God meets you and you say, God, I was washing clothes and God said, depart from me. You didn't love me enough to keep the Sabbath day holy. We are Christians. We're sanctified. This is what we do. This is what we do. Go up there on, uh, on Sherman and, uh, and Burleigh uh, right in there on Friday. Look at how the Jews, they are dressed and they are on their way to worship. They are walking. And then never time you go by there and you don't see them on their way. What's wrong with us? We got to learn how to get strong in the Lord. Let me hurry up. Let's look at Ephesians. Is this all right tonight? Anybody mad? Hallelujah. Let, let, let's, first of all, let's just go back to 1 Corinthians real quick. I want to show y'all something there real quick. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at the 29th verse. It says, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. I die daily. Now, what is, what is, what is he saying? I looked at this. I said, God, what does he mean we're in jeopardy every hour? He said, what he's saying is, when we accepted Christ, it put us in a position where we were under the scrutiny of the world. It put us in a position where we became a direct target for attack by our opponent, by the world. And he said, if we are putting ourselves in jeopardy and there is no validity to our claim, 
If we are putting ourselves in jeopardy, if we are going through this routine and we are risking our lives and there is no reality or no purpose for what we are doing, what we are doing is in vain. Do you understand that? Why is it that you would half-heartedly do a thing? Why is it that you would put yourself in a position, put yourself in a position where the way is hard, where the road is rough and difficult for you, but your faith is not even at a level where you really believe in the power of God. You're going through the motion. You are going through the motions. The, the Bible says that you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. Why would you go through the motions for nothing? Why would you, why would you do this for nothing? After all I've been through, after the sacrifices that I made, I'm doing this because I believe in the power of God. And whatever it takes in order for me to attain the crown of righteousness in life that I'm pursuing after, I'm willing to do it. The apostle Paul said, every day of my life, I'm dying. Every day of my life, I die daily. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must pick up your cross every day. Every single day. Somebody said we got to be saved. Y'all not saying it like you believe. We got to be saved. All day. When? We must be saved all day, every day. And so every day of your life, you must be willing to make the commitment to God. Every day of your life, you got to put this thing on. I was engaged in a conversation with someone recently. And we were talking about deliverance, being delivered. And how sometimes the enemy will trick many people because you have an experience on the altar. How many of you have had a good experience on the altar before? A real good experience on the altar. I mean, where the Holy Ghost just really wore you out on the altar. Almost to the point that you were a little embarrassed. <laughs> when, you, when, you get, when you got done, the way that Holy Ghost wore you out on that altar. Amen. And we know over here we have had some real situations over here. When we first came in here, we had a wig demon. I mean that, y'all remember that? Amen. We had to put in the announcement, pin it down, pin it, pin it down. The wigs was coming off and everything. We were trying, we, we, the wig was coming off faster than we could hold them on. Amen. You know, we, we have had some real experiences on the altar. We have foamed at the mouth. We come and we have rolled on the floor, all kind of stuff. We have broke shoes and all that kind of stuff. They have had to tie you down. Amen. You were so wild and, and, and out of control. They had to hold you down and all that kind of stuff. And you just were so shamed. Didn't want to speak to nobody. You soon as, they, soon as the benediction was made, you were trying to get out the closest exit because you didn't know how you looked. You didn't know none of that. We have had some real experiences on the altar. But where the devil us is that he convinces us sometimes that that's it. That once you done spit up and threw up and all that kind of stuff on the altar, you've ashamed yourself and made yourself embarrassed and all that kind of, you had a good experience and now you feel like it's it and you can just go back right into the same situation you came out of. Now you got on the altar and you pray that God would deliver you from fornication. You got on the altar and you spit that person up. Come on somebody. 
You spit them. You spit them right up. You you spit. They 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 beat you on your back and you spit them up. You really felt like you got that person up out of you. Amen. And so you had a good you had a good experience on all. But 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 you didn't understand that deliverance was a process and it was a life that you had to walk. So you thought that because you had a good experience on the altar that you could go right on back to the house with Jimmy. Jimmy, who you've been laying up with for 365 days. Come on, somebody. Even when your job sent you on vacation, you bought Jimmy a ticket to go with you because you couldn't live without him. And now because you had one good holler on the altar, you think that we're just going to go back to the house and we're just going to lay next to each other because I done got delivered. See, y'all don't like to be honest. Y'all don't like to be honest. Did, did, you know this is the truth. You know this is the truth. We ain't, you know, it, it's, it's all right. We just going to talk. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay on the couch and you going to, you know. But let me tell you, you are setting yourself up for failure. Every, when God delivers you, it is a process. And so every day, you got to put on righteousness. Every day of your life, you got to make a conscious effort to maintain the deliverance that God has given you. So what you do is, from the sanctuary, you pull out your phone. You pull out your phone. You, you say, now look, I just got delivered, right? I just got delivered. Now, this, now, now the sister's going to take me out. We are going to Ponderosa after church. It's going, we're going to go to Ponderosa, and we're going to be there for a good hour and a half. We still got about another half hour left before pastor dismiss service. That gives you a good two hours and 15 minutes to find you someplace to go. Because when I get back home, after all I went through on the altar, I done purged, I done lost my ponytail, I done got embarrassed. After all I went through on the altar, I'm not coming back home to walk back in the same mess that I just walked out of. And see, this is why we got to go back to having an experience on the altar. People keep saying it don't take all of that. It don't mean nothing. But let me tell you something. When you got on the altar and you rolled around and the saints had to beat you on the back and you labored and you wore yourself out, when you got back in a position where you almost messed up, your mind went back to Sunday. I spent too much time on the altar to get back in that mess. I went through too much to get this deliverance. I went through too much to let you hoodwink me. I've been through, I've come too far. How many of you be honest and say you come a long way? I've come a long way. I've come a long way. I've come too far. I've come too far. Let's be honest, some of us, God has brought us a long way. We're not the same person that we used to be. We don't do the stuff that we used to do. We don't go the places that we used to go. But yet there's 
another level of deliverance that God has for us. But we'll never get there if we forfeit everything that God has done for us for a cheap thrill and go back to where God brought us from. Let me tell you something that a setback is a very dangerous thing to encounter. Once God has delivered you and rescued you, it's a very dangerous thing for you to have a setback uh, because many people that experience a setback uh, will never make it back. Uh, but is there anybody in here tonight uh, that said God has brought me from too far? Uh, I've been through hell and high water. Uh, I've been through the storm and the rain. Uh, I've had ups and I've had downs. Uh, I've had disappointments. Uh, I've had misery and pain. Uh, but after all I've been through, uh, I'm determined to keep on going. Uh, I'm determined to get strong. Uh, I may be weak right now, uh, but pastor, at least I'm here. Uh, I'm in church tonight. Uh, I may have messed up last night, uh, but at least I'm here. Uh, and while I'm here, uh, pastor, I'm getting ready to get strong. Uh, I'm getting ready to stand up, uh, and I'm getting ready to go all the way. Let's look at Ephesians. Somebody come on, just cry out for deliverance right now. Come on, just open your mouth and cry out to God. Come on, open your mouth and cry out to him. Come on, open your mouth and cry unto him. Come on, open up your mouth. Make some noise in here. Come on, open up your mouth and make noise in this place. Let's look at Ephesians. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you lift your hand and say, Lord, deliver me. Come on, lift your hand and say, Lord, deliver me. Come on, lift your hand and say, Lord, Lord, deliver me. Come on, open up your mouth and say, have your way. Come on, clap your hand and say, yes, Lord. Come on, clap your hand and say, yes, Lord. Come on, clap your hand like the devil head is in between it. And open up your mouth and say, yeah. Yeah, 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 Hallelujah. Ephesians 6 and 18. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm just want to put a little word in you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I made a vow to the Lord. 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 It was a holy vow. It was a holy vow. I made a vow to the Lord. I made a vow to the Lord. 
and I won't take it back and I won't take it back I made a vow to the Lord I made a vow to the Lord Six and eighteen. It says, "Praying always." See, if you want the victory, you got to pray always. You can't take breaks in your prayer life. You can't take a day off from prayer. You got to pray. I thank God for the prayer line that we have, because for some of us, that prayer line is forcing us to pray. It's making us. And if you haven't gotten on the prayer line, you ought to get up and get on that prayer line. And if you worked on that time, there's a conflict, you ought to say, Pastor, give us another time. We can start a midnight prayer line. We can start a noonday prayer. We can start one for you. We can start a prayer line. If it's going to help you, we'll start one. But some of us need to learn how to take advantage of what's available. Pray always. Don't cease from praying. The Bible says, praying always. With all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Watch. You need to watch and you need to pray and you need to do it consistently. You need to do it consistently. Y'all want to get strong? Y'all want to get strong? Do you really want to get strong? Are you willing to work to get strong? Are you willing to work to get what you're looking for? You're not going to get it without work. You are not going to get it without work. I don't know about you, but I want to be a strong saint. I want to get over some stuff. I don't want to be struggling all my life with the same stuff. Don't you want to get over some stuff? I, you know, we always are going to be striving against sin always are going to be striving against sin. But can I pick something else to strive against? If I'm always, can I start eliminating? Can I start eliminating some things? I want to get delivered from some, don't you want to get delivered from some stuff? Aren't you tired of being bound by the same thing over and over and over and over and over the same situation? We still praying for you over the same thing, over to say, daughter, what you want prayer for? Well, I'm I'm still addicted to them Oreos. Ain't we been praying for you for the last 15 years about them? Can't you find something else for us to pray for you about? When are you going to get over that? You don't want to get free. You enjoy it. You want to waste my time laboring with you because you don't want to take sound advice. I'm, you know what? I'm tired. And let me just say this. As a pastor, I'm tired of folk calling me about the same thing over and over and over again. When I told you what to do the last time. 
Next time you call me, I'm going to tell you, you better talk to Tyrone. You better call somebody else because I told you to put the out. I told you, but you're still doing the same thing. Stop calling me. At least next time call me about somebody else. But you better stop calling me about Bobby. Because I done told you what to do there. See, some of us, we bound because we want to be. We don't even want to be free. And you want to wear us out. Come on. I, 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 I told another pastor the other day. I said, some of these people need to be beat. And I said it. I'm going to get me a plastic bat. And I'm going to start beating folk on the altar. I believe in spiritual corporal punishment. You need to be beat. You done wore us out. We got to put our clothes in the cleaning. We just got it out. Now, we don't mind working in our clothes, but at least get delivered. If I got to put my clothes in the cleaners because I've been laboring with you, you done spit up on me. Your makeup is all over my clothes, and you still ain't delivered. You need to be beat. You don't need hands laid on you. What you need is a butt whooping. Some of us, that's all we understand. Some of you ain't going to get delivered until you had enough trouble anyway. Trouble is the only thing that's going to deliver some folks. But God, you know what? You don't have to have kill me. Lord, just... Lord, just tell, that's why I'm thanking you because you didn't kill me before I got to church tonight. Because I knew, I thank you for this word because this word is convicting me to get myself together. Before I came to church, I didn't have a do right mind, but I got one now. And how many of you know that if you keep hearing this over and over and over again, it's going to replace the negative stuff that's inside? How many of you know that you can't afford to miss this kind of teaching? I need to hear it over and over. When I go to church, I want to feel convicted. I'm sorry. I personally want to feel convicted. I'm the pastor, but I want to feel convicted. When I go to conferences and conventions and other places where I'm not preaching, I also want to hear something that is convicting me to want to be better and do better and want to do right. I don't want to be no scoundrel. I don't want to be no cheat. I don't want to be no underhanded and low-down man of God. I want to be a sanctified, a holy, a righteous man of God. So if I'm going to do that, I need to hear something that has convicted me to do right. Now, that's just my testimony. So he said, you got to pray always. You got to pray always. I got one more scripture for you. Woo! Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We got to get this church strong. God has called this church to be a beacon of light, not just in our community, but in this city. In this city. The testimonies that we have received at this church about the life 
life-changing experiences that people have received here that they have not received anywhere else that they have been. I'm not talking about you. Maybe you came out of a good church, but a lot of people have not been challenged like they've been challenged over here. That is why the devil fights here so much. He fights this atmosphere so much. Why is it that you can go somewhere where holiness is not being taught and folks are running around and doing flips in the church and all that kind of carrying on and then you come over here where we're trying to lift up a standard and it's like pulling teeth to make people praise God. Satan is trying to fight because he knows that there is something here that can bring deliverance in the lives of people. He don't care nothing about you running around and shouting and jumping up and down if he knows that you're still living in sin. But he knows that if he can keep you bound over here and keep you from lifting your hands and keep your ear from being open to the gospel, that it will keep you in bondage. And Satan is always trying to influence the people of God because he is intimidated by the fact that you have an opportunity to have a relationship with God. Hebrews, 10th chapter. Hallelujah. The 23rd. Well, no. Let's go to the 26th verse. Now, let's start in the 19th verse. Let's just read all of it. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now we have a privilege by the blood of Jesus. We can enter into the holiest. We can enter into the presence of God. Aren't you glad you have a right to enter into the presence of God? How many of you can honestly say that it's been by entering into the presence of God that has really brought about a difference in your life. You've come to church discouraged, depressed, down, all kind of things. But when you got here and you entered into the presence of the Lord, it changed something in your life. Made you feel better. It picked you up. It did something great in your life. You entered into the holiest. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. I feel like shouting. I don't know why I feel like. Hallelujah. Pandabakosha. Thank you, Jesus. And having uh, uh, by new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, having our hearts sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, being delivered from an evil conscience. Our conscience has changed now. And our bodies have been washed with the pure water of the word of God. Has your body been washed tonight? Let us hold fast There's that being steadfast again, being committed, being dedicated. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. My God, my God, my God. Without wavering. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. If you really believe it, you ought to back it up with your life. You ought to always speak the same thing. 
You ought to be dedicated and committed to what you say you believe. We got to say it all the time. We got to walk the walk all the time. We got to live the life all the time. We got to stop talking about it and we got to learn how to be about it. Thank you, Jesus. Without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. In other words, you got to learn how to be committed to a God that is committed to you. This relationship is two ways. He is faithful to you, and so therefore we got to learn how to be faithful to him. He promised us. Mm. He promised us if we would just live holy. He promised us if we would just live for him. He promised us if we would live right that he would prepare a place for us. He promised us that if we would abide in him and if his word would abide in us. I wish I had some Holy Ghost folk in here tonight. He said if you abide in me and if my word abide in you, he made a promise that you can ask whatever you will. Whatever you desire, he said if you just abide in me, if you would just abide in me, if you would just be faithful and stay in me, and if you would just keep your heart available for me to abide in you, there is nothing, absolutely, positively nothing that you could ever ask for or want that I would not give you if you were just a pie. And he said, I'm not a man that I should lie. Mm. I know that you've been disappointed and let down by other people and by the systems of the world, but I'm a God that cannot lie. And my word does not fail and it cannot change. I am faithful to you and I'm looking for somebody to be faithful to me. I delivered you. I brought you out. I spared your life. I gave you another chance. I gave you another opportunity. When you should have been cut off, I had mercy toward you. And all I'm asking for is for you to be faithful to me. You can never repay me for what I've done. I'm just asking you to be faithful. I'm just asking you to love me. I'm just asking you to talk to me on a consistent basis. I'm just asking every day when you get up in the morning for you to acknowledge me first. I'm not telling you that you can't do some of the things that you desire. All I'm asking for is before you do it that you would acknowledge me. I'm just asking before you go there that you would ask me how I feel about it. I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking for you to be committed to me. Because there is no greater sacrifice that can never be given than the sacrifice that I've given for you. I laid down my life for you because I called you my friend. Now I need you to get your act together. I need you to be faithful. I need you to stop making me an afterthought. I need you to make me first in your life. And if you do that, I'll keep on protecting you. Oh my God. I'll keep death from your door. Under the I'll keep blessing your children, your unsaved children, your children that are not even saved. I'll keep a hedge of protection over them because of you. I'll 
bless your children because of you. Oh my God. And if you be faithful, pay your tithe and your offering, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing upon you that you would not have room enough to receive. And every enemy that fights against you, I'll rebuke the devourer for your name's sake if you just be faithful. If you just be faithful. He is faithful. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now let's help one another. Let's help our brothers and our sisters to also be strong in the faith. Let's not sit in this church. Let's not sit in this church and allow empty seats to remain any longer. Let's not sit in this church and get all this good word and we don't strengthen somebody else. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody else? When was the last time you got up out of your seat and looked at somebody that seemed like they needed to be encouraged and went over to them and said, I love you, be encouraged. Let's strengthen one another. When was the last time that you noticed that somebody was missing from church and you found their phone number and called them and said, I've been thinking about you. He said, let us provoke one another to do good works, to love and to do good works. Let's not provoke people to heinous behavior and ungodliness and unrighteousness. Let's not discourage people from being in the house of the Lord. I was so happy the other day when I got a message uh, from one of the new members of our church, a lady joined the church. And after church, she told me, she said, I have not been to church in years, but I've been coming to this church consistently for, I want to say, a month of Sundays. And she said, I've never been consistent in church for a whole month of Sundays, but I can't stop coming. And that very Sunday, she went downstairs and somebody from our church talked so nasty to her and her family and we hadn't seen her back since. Somebody from our church. I'm not talking about a pew member. I mean somebody on the microphone. And I was so happy when the lady called the church and said, I want you to pray for me. I've been away and I'm coming back. We got to provoke people in love to do good work. You get delivered from your nasty attitude before you come in here. And if you don't have sweetness in your spirit, get off of our doors. If you're not delivered, get off the microphone. If you ain't right, get out the pulpit. If you're not right, get out the choir. Whatever happened to the time we would sit ourselves down? No, I'm sorry I can't serve today. I need to be on the altar. We play so lightly. With whatever happened, we wouldn't even take communion. Not because we had done any big sin, but because our attitude wasn't right. We wouldn't even take communion. You know you got mad. You, you told your children off in the car. You the mama. You got a right to discipline your children. But because your spirit was so upset, you said, I just can't take communion today. But now we just play with it. 
We allow our kids and grandbabies to play over the communion. Give me two little juices. Give me two little pieces of cookies. Give me two. When was the last time that you really considered the sincerity and the seriousness of what we're doing when we embrace the Lord's table? We need to learn how to get serious, y'all. We used to have a fear of God. Somebody brought to my attention the other day, right here in our church, we, we, used, to have a, we, we used to respect even the pulpit area. Now our children run all over, the children, all over the pulpit and play and roll and do somersaults and flips, and we don't even say nothing. Tuesday, Monday morning, I had to get up at about 6 o'clock. We were on the prayer line, and I had to get up and pull myself together. I had to come here. No, Wednesday, uh, what day was that we were here? Wednesday morning, I had to get up and come to church. The children had taken potato chips and cookies and crackers and just sawed all over the carpet, just tore the church up after the uh, minister women came and cleaned the church. And I had to make sure that it was appropriate so that when they came in to work in their offices, they wouldn't call me and tell me what's wrong with you. Used to be a time we had more respect for the house of the Lord. We wouldn't let our kids chew bubble gum and eat candy and crackers all over the church. We wouldn't even let them bring it to church. I don't never remember a time where I could eat Doritos in the church. I don't never remember that. The most, the most you could have was a peppermint. That was the most you could have. What is this demon with Cheetos and Nihilators and all that stuff in church? Drinking sodas and pop and all that kind. It, it's inappropriate. We got to respect the house of the Lord. But the kids doing it because the adults are doing it. Sitting in church with two liters of Pepsi. Sitting up under your seat. I don't even believe in you. You know, in this church, I don't offer preachers nothing to drink. Something wrong with you? You got to request it. We don't. There ain't no fad over here. That, that we're not. We're not here for fanciness and fashion and all that kind of stuff. When you see me taking a drink, it's because I'm about to pass out. We don't sit in here. What you want? Coke, Sprite. As soon as you come to the pulpit, what you want? Do you want something to drink? No. You should have drank before you came. And you go to dinner afterward. Now, if you have a condition or something like that, you know, you get hot and worked up, then we'll give you some. But we don't just sit in church drinking. Oh, I'm teaching tonight. I got to quit. It's tight, but it's right. And let me say this while I'm on this note, while I'm on this tangent. Lord, have mercy. And I, and, and I know when I give me some children of my own, I'm going to make sure that I practice everything I told y'all. Teach your children how to respect the house of the Lord. Teach them that there's a difference between church clothes and play clothes. Little stuff like that will help them to understand that there's a difference. Y'all remember when we had play clothes? We had school clothes? We had church clothes. 
Now, sometimes if you can't do no better, that's, 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 that's understandable. But if you know that they got something that, that's a little better for them to understand that when we go to church, this is how we treat church, you put that on them. I told, I told my niece, Michaela, I told her the other Sunday. I saw I, her and, and Imani. They look so pretty. They had on dresses and something else. They, they just looked nice. They were, I told them, I said, now this is how y'all are supposed to dress for church. And then when I caught my niece dressed inappropriate for church, I told her, I said, I don't want to catch you coming to church like that no more. And I'm going to keep telling her. Because, see, she's old enough to know some things you don't wear to church. And then I told Imani, I said, Imani, you got to be the example. Because Imani was dressed right when everybody else was. I'm talking about in that little group. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about these right here. These been, Imani been with me long enough for me to claim her as mine. Respect the house of the Lord. When you dressed up, you don't feel like uh, racing Doritos and Cheetos all down your pretty church dress. And spilling pop and soda and all that kind of stuff. Respect the house of the Lord. Now I'm done. Is it all right? Anybody mad at me? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, which promised us consider one another. Now, this, this is the last thing I want to say in the 25th verse. There's another group of little girls that we complimented. Those three little girls uh, that Berta bring to church, her daughters. Berta got about five children. Nine, I'm sorry, nine children. I knew it was a high number. Those three little girls look so good when they come to church. Y'all have noticed the hair is done. Faces are clean. What's cute? Oh, okay. I was just trying to add on to it. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Listen, don't forsake coming to church. Y'all stop staying out of church. Y'all stop missing the house of the Lord. Y'all stop staying away from the kingdom of God. And then you encourage each other to come to church. When you see people out of church, you call them and tell them, what's wrong with you? Why are you not in church? God has blessed you. And you have a calling. You have a high calling. You have a high calling. And to whom much is given, much is required. Now the altar is open. Anybody that want to be right, the altar is open.